my name is Ryan Power and welcome to the Three Lions podcast, the podcast by England fans for England fans. And coming up in this episode number 11, we discuss the recent England victories against Slovenia and Lithuania, which guarantee England's place in the finals of the World Cup 2018 in Russia next summer. Two more wins, no goals conceded. Surely everyone has got to be delighted and singing from the rooftops. Or maybe not. Maybe we expect more, much, much more from England. We'll take a look back um, on the two games, which again, sadly lacked any real excitement. We've got loads of other stuff to cover in the show as well. We'll be chatting about Mark Sampson's departure from the England women's team and how that has been dealt with by the FA. Is it time for a proper shake-up of the FA as they deal with another public situation in an embarrassing fashion? Plus, in this episode, the under-17s are at it again, as are the under-21s. Plus, we'll have my mum reading your tweets and reactions on both of the recent games, along with a Three Lions podcast first our first ever report from the game as Russell gets your views and opinions all the way from Vilnius in Lithuania in the drizzle. Loads to discuss as always in another action-packed episode. Let's go! So without further ado, let's welcome my esteemed friend and co-host. He's finally dried off from the Lithuanian rain, but refuses to remove that attractive poncho, Mr. Russell Osborne. Hello, Russell. Labas, labas. Oh, you've picked up some of the local lingo. I am now fluent in Lithuanian. Excellent. What's cheers? Uh, cheers, sweet kata. Excellent. Said like a true local with the slight slur, no doubt, as everyone was saying it. Hello, goodbye, and cheers. Generally, the only things you ever need to learn. Oh no, my my crib shoot here also gives me the option to say bug off. Oh, excellent. Well, you never know when that might come in handy. Exactly. Was this distributed to you at the ground or was this your own uh, research? No, no, this is a a map. It's got talk like a local on the map. I've got one beer, please. I've got cheers, as you know. Excuse me. Thank you. Goodbye. I was was fluent. Wonderful. (laughs) I'm sure no doubt all of the fans went to similar lengths as you did to uh, seamlessly mix with the locals and not at all stand out. I was blending in. (laughs) <laughs> no doubt. Um, loads to loads to discuss um, this episode. Let's start at the uh, the home of English football, Wembley, uh, Slovenia. Uh, not that long ago, but already it seems to, it seems like ages ago for some strange reason. Uh, it's about a week ago. Um, we've a World Cup qualifier, of course, uh, against Slovenia at home, which was on Thursday, the fifth of October. Yes, it was, wasn't it? A week ago today, as we record at the moment. And, oh, yes, it, it, see, the game seemed to drag on longer than it's taken to get to this point in time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was... exactly, exactly. Um, a a, la- a laboured performance, you could argue. 
Uh, what were your a, what, what were your thoughts? I, I think you pretty much summed it up. There, a, a laboured um, performance. It was, as you say, we a win or a draw would see us through to Russia next year, and it kind of depended on Slovakia's game in Scotland, which which did give it a an element of sort of something could go wrong here, something might sort of um, go on elsewhere that makes it a little bit exciting, but it, it did didn't really um, uh, come to that. We, uh, we It was just nothing really, was it? <laughs> it um, it's one of those games that actually is, has passed me by now and it's, I've, I've forgotten pretty much a lot of, of what happened. Like I've jotted obviously some notes down for tonight, but it's, it was just nothing. It wasn't much of a, a game at all. Another one of those that will go down in the annals of history as uh, instantly forgotten. And sadly, it seems that we seem to be having an increasing number of those types of performances and games. They are coming quite frequently now, aren't they? They do seem to be. You didn't, you didn't used to mind if they were sewn in uh, to the fabric of the season, uh, separated by a couple of slobber knockers along the way. But when it's... When there's more one nils and nil nils than there are anything else, um, I can't help but think that we should be demanding a little bit more. And of course, let's not forget as well that it took six minutes of injury time um, for us even to get over the line in this one. Um, do you know, at the time I thought to myself, where has he found that six minutes from? Um, I assume it was just for the, the Joe Hart injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think he looked down the back of the sofa to find them. <laughs> well, I'm pleased that I'm pleased that he, that he did at least um, because at least that made it uh, look a little bit better on on paper, if if not on uh, the hallowed turf. Um, let's hear what the good people of Twitter made of the game because as you can imagine as always they had something to say about it not much of it very good um as we welcome back my mother into the studio henderson is an inspiration to the youth as no matter how they are they too could play for england one day this is the most depressing and desperate match involving a slovenian since melania married donald trump Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain took his frustrations out by kicking a water bottle when he came off. It went wide. It certainly says something when I find reading the tweets on the England game more entertaining than watching the actual match. Unless England get a World Cup group of San Marino, the Canary Islands, Shepshed Dynamo and Doncaster Bells, they are f***ed. Raheem Sterling is so bad, I actually miss Emil Heskey. Glenn Hoddle names Joe Hart man of the match for making a double save when the striker was offside. Sums up this game perfectly. Only England could have arguably the most informed striker in the world right now and make him look totally ineffective. Glenn Hoddle is like Marmite. You can't commentate on football. Oxlade-Chamberlain typifies a huge problem. Too many players not having to earn a place in the team once they're part of the scene. There we go. Thank you, (laughs) Mother. Uh, We'll be welcoming her back later in the show. Um, 
So, I mean, I picked out some that were quite funny, um, but they, they told a similar story, which was that overall, I don't think the general populace uh, were overly impressed with the display and a certain few individuals' names just kept coming up time and time and time again. Yeah, you're right. The likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain um, and uh, Henderson, um, not just in this game as well, but for, for the next, the following one as well. They're, it's just not, not good football at the moment, is it? It's not. No, no, I agree. Um, I, I think it's a difficult one. Henderson, he just seems to get pelters, doesn't he, every single time. Uh, I think that a lot of the, the problem with that is because he doesn't seem to pass the ball forward. It always seems to go sideways or backwards. That's um, right. And if everyone seems to have noticed that and picked up on it, apart from... Maybe the obvious man. Yeah, absolutely. It always it often strikes me with players like that. It's like, am I missing something? Do they, are they do they see something because they understand football on some higher level that than I do that he's doing that I don't quite get. Do you understand? What I, do you understand what I mean by that? There's yeah. you sometimes get a few players at like that when you just think, how are you a, even a professional footballer yet somehow? They seem to get, you know, get picked all the time. Or, or are they just like this absolute world beater in training or something? I, I, I don't, I can't, I can't explain it. No, I think, I think you're right. Um, we, we must be missing something. I think there was quite a while ago, wasn't it? Um, going back to like the the mid '80s, Ray Wilkins was was known as the Crab, wasn't he? Because <laughs> he used right. to go sideways. Yes, yeah, he. I mean, you, you ask people of his generation, and he he was a. Uh, I'm not sure if he was classed as an exceptional player, but he, he certainly was good and, and played his part in many England victories. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't all it wasn't all doom and gloom. Um, Marcus Rashford was one shining. I thought I felt he was. I saw in some of the press that he got a bit slated for the sort of the chip that didn't quite go in, but I thought that was actually quite a decent move, and I felt he was a little bit unlucky actually. He, yeah, I think he is positive, um, a positive player. Um, did fade a little towards the end, and and I think as well. I think we've, we've spoken before. He is still quite young, yes, uh, and and does have to learn, or, or will learn as he continues to play for United and England. But he he is one of the players that I think we really can watch in the future, and he will he will be coming good and um, and prosper playing for England. I think I hope. Yeah. I agree. And I hope also that he does get plenty of match time at United um, to ensure his continued progression. Because it does rather look like I can just I can sense it already where we're going to get this classic English media thing of pinning the entire nation's hopes on him about two weeks before the tournament starts, a la Wayne Rooley, a la Michael Owen, uh, a la Theo Walcott, as we have seen, you know, in the past, um, and just lumber a whole load of unnecessary pressure on him, uh, which, uh, well, if any of the others have been anything to judge by, he'll he'll struggle to he'll struggle to keep up with. Yeah, I think you're right. He's, he just needs to keep away from the Sun and the Daily Mirror, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't 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 we all? And probably probably keep off of Twitter. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep well away because only only harm can come from it. I've, That's like, right. In, in, in I think thing. one one player I think that okay he was slated in some of the um, the tweets there um, was Joe Hart. Um, 
I think it's it's worth pointing out that he's now saved us on two occasions now against Slovenia. Yes. Um, if you go back to that nil-nil in Ljubljana when he made a couple of cracking saves. Oh, yeah, and that one onto the bar was incredible, wasn't it? That's right. And then towards the end of this game, um, okay, there was he got a slight injury, but I think there was there was a double save or, or he saved, and then a moment later he had to save again. Yeah. Um, so so credit to Joe Hart. I know we've we've all given him a a hard time verbally um, recently, but yes, whether he was man of the match um, is open to debate. Um, but he, he he earned his he earned his money that night. He did. I can't help but think he probably had downloaded a couple of episodes of this very podcast and had heard some of the uh, requests that we've made for him to, you know, really stake his claim as number one. And I feel that maybe he'd gone the extra mile just to prove us wrong. Do you, do you think, think that? Well, yeah, do you think that was the proverbial two fingers he gave us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do think that. Well, uh, if that's what it takes, then so be it. Because um, as you say, he did do well. Uh, obviously, he, he didn't get in for the Lithuania game, uh, which we'll discuss in a moment. But he played, he got a clean sheet. As you say, he got man of the match, which man of the match, when your goalkeeper gets man of the match in a home game, um, is probably not a particularly good sign in the first place. Uh, but there we go. Um, I think that, yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't the greatest. We, again, were... It's that final third, isn't it? I often, we, we, we're not, we're not, we don't have that same penetration that other sides seem to uh, in that final third. We never seem to quite pick the right ball. Um, but then, you know, we seem to be saying the same thing every week because this is, this is nothing new, is it? It's, it's the it's, same every game. It's not new, is it? No, you're right. We're just... Eat. No sort of inspiration for that last, as you say, the final third. Um, no sort of rush to get to go forwards or, or even to have have a shot from distance. No, no, and it's. Um, I almost feel that I could have the same show notes in front of me uh, that I did for the previous game, and indeed for the next game we're going to discuss because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a similar performance, isn't it? And if yeah. that is the new trademark England performance, then I don't like this bus, and I want to get off it. I think. Well, I think because of the the reaction to the game, or with, I don't, it must have been about sixty sixty five minutes at Wembley, and all of a sudden these paper planes just started. It only takes one person to do it. Yes, um, and the paper planes almost became the new Mexican wave. Um, it was it was like the Battle of Britain. They were coming <laughs> down. Which, From, which just tells you everything, though, doesn't it? If people, people are went, so bored that they're doing that then that means they're watching a pretty dull game. That's right. And at that point, it's still nil-nil as well, of course. It was. Six quid for a programme and people were ripping it up. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, So that brings us... I mean, were there there any other uh, positives that you feel you can pull out of it? I mean, Harry Kane gets on the score sheet again. He is increasingly looking like the only person that can score for England with uh, Lalana still injured. I think he is our positive one at the moment. And you've got to hope that he, from uh, from an England point of view, and I guess from a Spurs point of view, that he stays uh, injury-free because he is the one that's that's getting the goals at the moment. And funny you should mention Tottenham Hotspur because I don't know if you've seen the uh, headlines today, hot off the press. Manchester United rumoured to come in with a £175 million bid for him, I was reading this afternoon. Really, I hadn't whether seen or, that one. Whether or not anything comes of that, I don't know. But maybe you heard it here first. 
Uh, maybe that just turns out to be complete codswallop. Only, only, <laughs> only time will tell. But uh, if he does, if he does go, then um, I'm not sure if that would necessarily be a good thing or a bad thing for England. Really, um, I guess, I, I guess he will get more top European action because United have obviously got their sites very much intent on going and uh, conquering the world seemingly seems to be the the goal for Mourinho um, and any uh, sort of amount of money seems to be put behind him to try and achieve that so maybe that would be good for him to be playing against the very very best defenders I guess maybe it'll be good for him to be linking up with Rashford as long as it isn't at the expense of his place in the team I suppose um, I guess only time will tell if and how that pans out. Well, God, just I, I think I'm just quickly flicking through the the program from the England game here, and, and I can't think whether I read it in here or it was maybe on a uh, in a paper on the way up to Wembley at the time that Kane was interviewed. I don't think it's in the program that um, talking about um, a foreign language that he was open to to learning a foreign language, whether it be Spanish or Italian. Um, so I think uh, I think Real Madrid, with the money they've sort of got, would be sort of sniffing around as well. Mm, quite possibly. I mean, not going to please Spurs supporters at all. But um, he's if if you score goals for fun like he does, you're going to get the attention. Absolutely, of course you are. And and the, I think the, probably the the biggest fear for Spurs fans will be that who knows if that money would even get reinvested. And with the money it costs now, where things have all gone so ridiculous. Uh, does that mean you're not going to get a replacement for anything sensible anyway? Because I tell you what, it's, it's, I mean, it's a bit off subject, but Lukaku's all of a sudden looking like a steal, isn't he? Because all of a sudden it looks like the prices of players have just doubled all of a sudden over the last month or something. Absolutely, Crazy money. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, anyway, let's, um, let's move on because we have now got a podcast first um, because... We, uh, Russell, you were our official roving reporter in the rain. See what I've done there with the alliteration. Um, (laughs) uh, In in, um, Lithuania, you've actually recorded some audio for us live uh, from the stadium. So why don't we uh, segue over to that first, have a little listen, and then we can reflect on um, our most recent World Cup qualifier. So I made it to the ground here in Vilnius. After a few beers in the old town, made our way up here through the streets that are filled with puddles, cars going past that you have to dodge, are splashing your legs, giving away free ponchos. You'll probably have seen by now that the away end is a, uh, a mix of yellow and green plastic. It's looking to be a uh, good atmosphere here at the ground. And the ground, yeah, I can see there's flags all around. I've got Woking FC, GU22 on tour. Yorkshire Bees. We've got Charlton, we've got Chelsea. South Croydon. Oswestry Wolves are in here as well. Liam and Colin. Kurt Wolves as well. So we've got Plastic Pitch. We've got England fans behind the goal to one end. We've got all the Lithuanian fans and the splattering of England fans uh, along one side. And on the opposite side, it's a, uh, oh, it's a tiny little stand, to be fair, um, with the, uh, the ITV studio tucked in there. And they, uh, that's the only covered part of the ground, is the, uh, is the stand where the, the dugouts are. Behind the goal opposite the England fans, 
um, is just empty. There's a, a big scoreboard um, that stands in one corner with a fire engine underneath. Time England won Lithuania nil. Harry Kane penalty. Deli Ali brought down what looked like, to be fair, a uh, an innocuous challenge. Um, but Harry Kane tucked it away. Other than that, not a great deal to uh, to talk about. Few youngsters or inexperienced inex, uh, inexperienced players have been blooded. The likes of Harry Maguire, Michael Kane, Harry Winks, Jack Butland in goal. Um, all having a uh, start in place. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, the second half Gareth Southgate's uh, changes around. Um, Lithuania, one or two shots, nothing really to uh, the trouble Jack Butland in goal. So there we have it, fresh uh, from Lithuania. Uh, wonderful to hear some of the reaction live as it as it happened, um, and a couple of points you you picked. Now, obviously, as we know, it did finish one uh, nil in another equally uninspiring. In- well, it was probably a little bit more inspiring actually than the uh, than, than than the previous game. I would have said uh, there were uh, quite a few more chances. Um, strangely, an awful lot of them seemed to fall to our centre halves, which was yeah. which was strange, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I, I think that between them, they probably could have had like three goals, which was a bit bit odd. Um, but that said, um, so let's have a little look first of them because obviously uh, Gareth Southgate, as predicted, he did uh, bring in quite a few changes and also changed the formation of a bit, playing some wing backs. Um, as well as yeah, wholesale changes pretty much throughout the team. Yeah, I think that was important to we've got a squad that he'd, he'd picked initially, and and we're through. Let's make use of the squad. Let's um, put them into a formation that we can try out um, with with these new players, and it's they need to be blooded to to have that international experience, um, whether they. They took their chance convincingly. Um, remains to be seen. I kind of thought, do you know, if, if they if they can't do it well against the likes of Lithuania, can they do it against the likes of forthcoming games like Germany and Brazil? Mm. Um, so, but but they need to be blooded and, and played at some stage because we can't go into a major tournament with just a, a regular. 11, 12, 13 players. Um, so, yes, I think it was good that the likes of Trippier, Keane, um, Maguire and, and the likes got got game time. Uh, and incidentally, did I call Michael Keane Michael Kane there? <laughs> <laughs> I think, was it those was it those inexpensive old town Vilnius uh, beers, perhaps? It may, may well have been a couple of those <laughs> slur in my, uh, my And did words. you notice plenty of Harrys in the start-up lineup, which was one thing I noticed before the game? Um, who have we got there? Harry Winks, Harry Maguire, Harry Kane. Yeah, I didn't didn't Lo- pick up lo- on that. Loads of Harrys. So there we yeah. go. There's obviously a resurgence in in, in that name. Um, I, I, I do like... I like Keane and Maguire. Um, I think that the, the, the two of them are going to become future stars I think at the back for England so I was pleased to see 
them play. Um, what did you make of Cresswell's problems? Because that is a position which potentially he can put some pressure on. I think as things stand, he's probably going to be he's probably going to be lucky to make the final squad as things stand. So for someone like him, I think it would have been important to have had a good game. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he, he done he done well, I think, but not not enough to sort of stand out and really shine, in my opinion. No. Um, he needs to really carry on playing well for his club and and hope that he can get chances against um, like the Germany and Brazil as I've previously said um, I mean he may only get I don't know five minutes come the end of the game yeah um, but he, he, they, they all need game time um, in my opinion I quite like the the three at the back yes um, and obviously with with Cahill um, to maybe marshal that more, uh, maybe Cahill, Stones, and and Keane would be a a nice back three. Yeah, I would agree completely. And also, what I particularly like about about a back three is then it means that assuming Dyer plays, then maybe that means no Henderson. Hopefully, because I I don't think you can have a back three slash five and then two defensive midfielders as well, because that would just be <clears throat> ridiculously boring. No, I agree. I, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm more dire than Henderson. Yeah, me too. Although uh, he's not without his uh, critics either uh, for similar, you know, for, for, for largely similar reasons, actually. I, I actually think he's uh, uh, a much better player than Henderson, actually. Um, but um, now, what did you make again? Now, Harry Kane, again, he's taken the headlines. Again, he's been dubbed uh, England's saviour because, okay, fair enough, he's got the only goal in in, in the last two games. Um, but was he was he all that? I mean, he's got the headlines for scoring the goal, which was a penalty, which hit the post. <laughs> um, but that said, uh, do you think he was the sort of star player that the that some of the headlines might have made out? No, I think he's only been picked out because he he scored the goal and and the fact that he scored the goal in the previous game um, as well. But I I was speaking to a um, another England fan out there, and he he did point out kind of what I already knew that if if Kane was playing for Spurs for in a against a team of Lithuania standard Spurs against hypothetical situation Spurs against Lithuania you couldn't imagine that ending up 1-0 um, with the the variety of players that Spurs have that also play uh, for England um, they would be providing Kane with service left right and centre mm. um, and you, you think well we've got these Spurs players we've got um, okay they, they didn't all play um, on um, in the Lithuania game but your likes of um, Dyer, uh, or I want to say Walker, but obviously he's now Manchester City, but he will have that um, influence as well. Um, Deli Alley um, and, and Harry Kane, they're, they're, for Spurs at the moment, they're, they're going great guns. Mm. Um, and he, I feel like Kane, he's, he's just doing, <laughs> this sounds really bad, but he's just doing the bare minimum, but he is still getting us out of trouble. Could that same accusation be levelled at a lot of the players, do you think? Quite possibly, quite possibly as well. Um, and then you have to think, well, does, uh, again, another conversation we've had before, does yeah. it really mean much playing for England? Yes, quite. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, and 
let to move over almost seamlessly you mentioned some of the other fans you're speaking to we've actually got some clips of some other fans uh because you also went the see unlike uh, potentially harry kane you did go the extra mile for your country <laughs> wrestle and uh got the opinions of some of the other fans after the game so let's have a little listen to what some of the other england fans thought about the performance Hello there, I'm Kurt from Milton Keynes. Uh, I support Wolves and I'll go with them home and away as well as England. Uh, last night's game I thought was a little bit lacklustre. Maybe it was the uh, the team we were playing or the system we played. I think Rashford was poor, played in, in the wrong position. Uh, impressed with Harry Winks, I thought he played well. Butland played well, Trippier as well. As well. I uh, think that maybe try and give some of the young players a bit more of a go. Um, maybe give Defoe a go as well. And apart from that, it was all right. Hello, my name is Trevor. Uh, I'm Norwich City supporter, um, season ticket holder for many years, and uh, I've been following England for several years now. I find that the pride and the passion in the England team just doesn't seem to be there the same as it was uh, some years ago. You don't seem to have the same cohesion and pattern that, uh, that the players uh, used to have. Um, I hope they do get it together and things do work all right. All right. But uh, I just figure when we get to Russia, it's going to be a similar story to the last two World Cups and um, we'll probably struggle to get through the group stages. But here's hoping we do better and um, yeah. Hi, I'm Colin from Austria in Shropshire. I'm a, a Wolves fan and I travel away with uh, England, home and away. And um, I'd just like to say a few words about, uh, about some of the players last night. I thought Butland was uh, superb and uh, Trippier wasn't too bad but uh, Stones is dreadful, his passing is diabolical, Anderson is diabolical too, I don't know why he even gets in the squad, the pair of them, and, but the young lads last night didn't do themselves any favours you know, to, you know, to, to, to go to Moscow, so you know, they need to step, step things up and just be positive, and I hope that, uh, that the manager gets it right for when we, when, we, when we get out there. Well, there we go again. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say doom and gloom um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but again, uh, the same names being highlighted and a lot of the same issues being voiced. I mean, were those clips fairly indicative of the, the fans that you spoke with on the trip, Russell? Yeah, I think so. Everyone had a sort of similar um, viewpoint on them. I just want to also say thank you to those guys for uh, for just taking the time out to give me a couple of words. Um, but yeah, they pretty much everyone has the the same opinion um, of what's going out on the pitch and the um, for what's coming up next year. I don't think hopes are overly high kind of over here conversations going oh yeah we're, we'll be lucky to get out of the group and on performances like that and and is it worth us booking to go we'll only come home disappointed and and things like that and mm. um, so i think yeah they we're all singing i think from a, a fairly similar hymn sheet crew yeah. sheet yeah no I, I i'm in agreement um let's also hear what uh, the greater world of Twitter thought um, with uh, some opinions of people that probably weren't at the game. Uh, but, you know, we're happy to hear all voices. So uh, let's uh, wheel my mother in um, again. <laughs> that sounds oh. really bad, doesn't it? Oh, anyway, let's, <laughs> let's blow the dust off her and uh, let's, uh, let's hear what a few other fans thought about the Lithuania game. 
think Winks has already played more decent passes than Henderson has in 35 appearances. How the fuck is Henderson a regular? Pile of poo emoji, pile of poo emoji. And again, pile of poo emoji. Henderson is overrated, overpaid and over there. A cardboard cutout would be more exciting. RT, if you're like me, the England game is on the background, but it's so crap I'm finding things to do on my phone. England have missed a trick not giving Harry Winks the number 40 shirt. <laughs> if you don't care about England, okay. Just don't spend the next two hours telling everyone you don't care. It's boring. Difficult decision. Whether to watch England on TV or cheese grate my own nipples. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an enduring image. <laughs> um, <laughs> I particularly did, particularly found amusing the person that tweeted suggesting that England missed a trick by not giving Harry Winks the number 40 shirt. Yeah. yeah that, that, was the, that was most amusing, I thought. Um, but look, I think what everyone can agree on, both um, there... And by the sounds of things, everyone that you spoke to, uh, you know, that we need to do much better if we're going to have any chance of doing anything whatsoever in Russia. But, you know, we haven't been playing that great by any stretch of imagination. But do you think that sometimes maybe we're being a bit too hard on the team? I mean, they say the mark of a good team is to play badly and get the results. Let's not forget... In the end, we finished eight points clear at the top of our group. All right, it might have looked a bit shady for about a, a few days, let's say, when there was a bit of squeaky bum time. But overall, we've, we've romped our group. Sure, it's not a strong group, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. Yeah. Eight points clear. We played 10, won eight, drew two, scored 18 and only conceded three goals. Um, that now puts us unbeaten in 39 qualifiers, of which we won 30, had 28 clean sheets, scored 100 goals and only conceded 15 in that time. I mean, uh, what on that basis, could we have done much more apart from win a bit prettier? I think that is the thing. This, the qualifying games, the qualifying campaigns maybe in recent years, they haven't been exciting really no um but we are we are doing the business we're getting through which is the the end goal um excuse the pun but is to get to the the tournaments be it the world cup be it the euros um but we're just not exciting getting there exactly um, and and as you say there's um i mean going on this this run of games um is is quite incredible, really. I mean, there aren't many teams out there that can say they've got a uh, an unbeaten um, run of games like we have. Um, and incidentally, though, I put something on the on the Facebook group the other day that we've had a uh, we just passed the date of the tenth of October, uh, two thousand and nine. We last lost a qualifying game. 2009 when we lost actually a dead rubber game um, against Ukraine and that was only because uh, was it Rob Green was sent keeper was sent off I'm not sure who it was was it Rob Green that was in goal uh, do you know what I can't even remember now I, was he I, sent off I think he got sent off 
Oh, I'll just be having a look at Google whilst you, uh, whilst yeah, you, you carry get on. It, you get it up whilst <laughs> I put in some padding. However, I tell you what, I tell you who would be delighted to have played badly and qualified. That would be Scotland. Uh, that would be Wales. Um, that would certainly be the Netherlands, who failed to qualify again, um, despite having a wonderful team on paper. And, lest we not forget, Argentina have only got there by the absolute skin of their teeth, having been out of the qualifying positions in their group. They were seeing sixth in their qualifying group, which is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, they have scraped through in the end, courtesy of a a Lionel Messi hat-trick in the final game of qualifying. Um, I'm sure any of those teams would have been delighted to have had our poor performances, but ultimately getting the results, because uh, they won't be going to Russia next year, that is for sure. Um, But with all that said, um, the FIFA rankings haven't been kind to us, because... We've missed out on being one of the top seeds now, and we will actually be in the second seeding group. Um, so, obviously, there's we don't know all of the teams yet that have qualified because there's still all the playoffs still to go. Yeah. But uh, we could, as things stand, because we're going to sit in pot two, we could get a potential group of death. Uh, yes, it's that time again to mention the group of death because it's uh, the expression that only ever gets wheeled out at international mm. football tournaments uh, of Brazil, Nigeria and our friends from Iceland, Ooh. which I don't think would be a particularly nice group. We um, couldn't lose to them again, could we? <laughs> I, don't again. Even want, I don't even want to think about it. I did see as well, you see, they were the... They're the, the the team have qualified with the lowest ever population of a country as well. It's really quite phenomenal what they have what they have achieved. So yeah. well done, Iceland. Uh, but uh, let's hope we don't have the same fate again. However, on the flip side of that, uh, we could get a much easier group where we could potentially get Poland, Iran, and New Zealand. And I much Wait. prefer the sound of that group. Well, it even sounds a bit dicey, though, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, the uh, Or, of course, that would mean as well, uh, which I suppose might be better on the pitch, but maybe not off it, um, would be a group now we could draw Russia, which I don't really think too many people would be delighted to do. I think drawing Russia in Moscow from a public relations and fan <laughs> safety perspective would be just about as bad a draw as we could get, irrespective of who the other two teams are, personally. Yeah, when you cast your mind back to what happened in Marseille um, last year, yeah, I, I don't think many people would be too keen on drawing Russia. Uh, but I guess on, on the football side of things, I, I haven't noticed, actually, well, I haven't really noticed how many friendlies Russia will have played, but being a a host nation they obviously didn't have to qualify so it's, it's always a surprise to me when um host nations do well after not playing competitive games for quite a while yeah and they've, they're down to about oh they're like 50th or something in the rankings now and obviously they got spanked left right and center at the confederations cup yeah so they uh, no i don't think they're going to be 
I think there'll be more of a force off the pitch than on it. <laughs> what do not we, a nice thought. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, what do we think then is a decent return? We've now qualified. Hurrah. Um, you wouldn't have thought so, given how miserable everyone is being about it in a typically British fashion. Um, but we have now qualified. What do you think um, we should expect? What would be a good What would be a good return? I think based on based on the performances and the um, the enthusiasm of of the country and the and some of the the things Gareth Southgate has has publicly said that he, he says it's going to be a a tough challenge and there's a lot of hard work to be done. I think is what he was quoted as saying. I think a decent return would first and foremost to be get out of the group. Yes, um, and going to be a a tough challenge and there's a lot of hard work to be done I think is what he was quoted as saying I think a decent return would first and foremost to be get out of the group yes Um, and I can't if we can get out of the group great but I can't see us going much further than that do you think that most fans would accept a first knockout round defeat I don't think they would accept it they might expect it (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that's yeah that's that's a nice summary I like that but also I mean Southgate is going to say that isn't he he's not going to come out and say oh do you know what we've been really dull in qualifying and I don't think we've got that good a team on paper and it'll be a miracle if I keep my job after the summer he's never going to come out and say that so he's going to roll out the cliches I mean what do you think he has to do let's say let's say we get tonked and we don't get out of the group where do the FA go from there? Does he keep his job? Or do you think it depends on the manner in which we uh, fail? I think I think if we if we lose and go out in the group in a in a blaze of fire, um, or, or as a damp squid probably more, he, he will go. I'm sure he will. Um, but who else is gonna who yeah, else wants it? I, exactly. I always go back to this sort of I stuck it around in a circle. Who would want the England job? Who's available for the England job? And I, I can't think of anyone who, who would really want it. Um, not that that would probably concern Southgate if he got sacked. No. I, as you say, it doesn't even really bear thinking about, does it? Because you then just feel, well, this last two years have just been a complete waste of time. And we're, yeah. no, we're no further ahead than, than where we were. Um, so let's see, let's, let's try and, let's try and be positive. Hopefully we will get through the group with a, a win and a couple of hard fought draws. Um, and then we'll go out in, uh, on penalty shootout or something equally, yeah. equally English. Um, and what do we think? Who now? Okay. Now, who do you think will be the captain? Should it, or will it, uh, take your pick be Harry Kane? Do you think? I think I've said before I would prefer a captain to be someone who can look up the field rather yes. than is at the head of the field. Um, and Adag, no, I I don't think it should be Harry Kane. There's nothing to say that he can't do a good job, and I'm sure he'd snap it up. And, and he probably is one of those players that I think from some some of the things I've seen, he he does enjoy playing for England and I think he does appreciate what it means um, and there's there's nothing wrong with him being captain but I think it should be someone at the back um, and I, I think I've said before I think someone like Cahill um, for me 
Has he not already got enough expectation on his shoulders as well if he's going into it as pretty much our sole chance of any, you know, of, of a goal scorer? Is making him captain in addition to that? And give bear in mind as well, it's not like he's 30 years old or anything. He's still only young himself. Um, you know, should we be putting that much on his shoulders? Does, does having a, a black bit of tape or material round your... your um, Round your arm, really put that much more pressure on being, being a player, being an England player, being the captain. Um, I mean, you'd hope the... they would all. I mean, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because you'd think, well, well, in what situation wouldn't you absolutely put your all into it and be, you know, be prepared to die on the battlefield effectively? But that said, we've seen the performances from individuals that you know that have been lacklustre. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you in that I also am not a big fan of having strikers as captain necessarily. Um, especially not if that means he'll be bloody on corner duty again or anything ridiculous <laughs> like that. Uh, but then by the same token, he is he is our form player. Uh, what's he got? Seven in the last five or something for England. Um, and I was really... He's got 84 in 120 for Spurs, which is pretty decent for someone who they all said was going to be a one-season wonder. He's... Um, again, hopefully there's a hell of a lot more to come from him. I, th- I think so. Yeah, he's he's cracking player. No denying that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Um, let's just hope he can keep it going. Indeed. Okay, well, look, let's move on. Moving on from oh. the doom and gloom. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something? I, I was just going to say oh, something. Cool. I was going to confirm oh, that yes. Rob Green was sent off uh, after 13 minutes against Ukraine. <laughs> so you would like to think that had he not been, because we only lost, was it 1-0? 1-0, yeah. So had he not been sent off after 13 minutes, you could only assume that we at least would have got a draw and that run of 39 would, I mean, I don't know when the loss before that was, but maybe we'd be at like 50 or something. Which, maybe. If it was any country other than England, everyone would be going mental about. But because yep. it's because it's us, um, you know, that just passes by and we just said, well, yeah, you're going to because you're playing crap teams. Um, but there we go. All right. Well, look, let's move on uh, on that note uh, from the seniors to uh, our youth teams because again the young lions are at it and they at least do give something for us to have hope um, and enjoyment about because uh, the under 21s are still in their euro qualifying action um, and they've they've also played twice since we spoke last wow um, <laughs> wow. sorry I was wow, I, I, must admit, I was distracted there <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> yes, they... Uh, Eyes they... on the ball, Russell. Eyes on the ball. <laughs> so anyway, they, they yes, they've been in action twice also in their 2019 European Qualifying Championships, um, which will be played in Italy and San Marino in 2019. Uh, I, for one, am personally looking forward very much to that tournament, and I think I'm going to try and get some tickets for it. Um, uh, but I won't if England don't qualify. <laughs> However, <laughs> our last couple of games have given us uh, a good chance of doing so. Haven't they, Russell? They have, they have. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> it was recently, actually, that we uh, we played Scotland, didn't we? Up we did. in Middlesbrough, I think it was. It was, yes. um, 20,000 people there. 
Great. So, um, yeah, good attendance that. For a for an an under twenty ones game, I think that that is superb going. Um, I assume I've been maybe a little bit cynical, but I imagine ticket prices were um, quite good to get get people through the door. Um, but we had goals from Josh Josh Anoma, Tammy Abraham on the goals again, and Dominic Solanke. And I think you popped one of these goals up on the Facebook page. Um, and yes. I can't remember which one the it was. The first one, Josh, Josh Anoma's An- volley. Oh. Superb. It was an absolute blinder, wasn't it? Absolute cracking goal. Um, it, it, from outside of the box um, and just well, struck it in. Really good goal. Yeah, great goal. In fact, you mentioned Tammy Abraham, who has been mentioned plenty of times before on this show. Um, have we heard any more or have you heard any more about him maybe uh, trying to be poached by Nigeria? Because I remember we had had a story before where they were trying to get him to play for them um, and he's got some family or someone else trying Mm to uh, twist his arm, I think, so that he doesn't play. And obviously he hasn't played for the first yet, so he would still be able to... Uh, yeah, let's use the word defect. <laughs> yeah, no, that, now you say that, um, I do remember reading something about it. I don't know, did we speak about it in the last podcast? I'm not sure if we did, um, or if I think, again, it might have just been something which was in the uh, the group, which would be a good time to plug. If anyone isn't aware, uh, just search Three Lines Podcast on Facebook, and there is an active Facebook group chatting all things England, uh, come along and join. I think it might have been in there that we shared the story of it. I see. Uh, but I think it, that might even have been prior to that Scotland game. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's much ado about nothing. I'm not sure. Uh, good to see Dom Solanke scoring again as well. We seem to uh, we mentioned it before, but we always seem to have an embarrassment of riches up front for the under twenty ones. It certainly seems like it, doesn't it? We uh, we're certainly putting goals to left, right, and centre in some of those. Uh, tournaments over the over the summer wasn't it we were scoring for fun absolutely and so you think based on that um, and after we put three past Scotland the following Tuesday we were playing the footballing giants of Andorra um, I mean you'd have expected us to run in five or six surely against them You'd think so, and I must admit, when I did see the score from this game, it took me back to a, a podcast, I think, maybe about three episodes ago, where you did actually, I think, quote us saying the, the powerhouse of Andorra, and that <laughs> their under-21s can't be that good. <laughs> but what happened? Um, but in the end, we won 1-0 away Hooray! from home. Everton's Tom Davis scored, so... So perhaps they're uh, perhaps they're better than you than you gave them credit for. Yeah, I know. I, I, I again, I think they're avid listeners, and they've gone out to try and to try and prove me wrong. So uh, yeah. for all you Andorran under twenty ones listening in, uh, I, I'm sorry, and uh, I'm sure you'll aim to do even better in the uh, return fixture uh, whenever that is. <laughs> Um, I, I but, can't give you that information, I'm afraid. I don't know that one. No, me neither. But <laughs> what I do know is that that puts the under-21 sitting pretty at the top of the group. Uh, four games, three wins, ten points. Uh, second place are Scotland, um, and they've got six points from three games. So they're already four. We're already four points clear, and I've already beaten the team who are second. Uh, nothing to suggest that they shouldn't go marching on to the finals. I'd be amazed if they didn't because 
because they're pretty good, really. Um, yeah. Now, uh, and also, in in top of that, um, our under-17s, they're mustard as well. And they're currently playing in the under-17 World Cup in, all of places, India. That's right. We, we spoke about this one a little while ago, and it was kind of crept up, us, crept up on us, it this has. tournament. Um, finally got around to it now, and, and we started off... In four nil, we beat Chile mm-hmm. um, in the opening game in Group Group F. We're in in that one. Goals from Hudson Adoy, Chelsea player, um, Gomez of Man United, and Sancho. Joe, is it Jaden Sancho? It is Jaden Sancho. Who yeah. was was he a Chelsea player initially, and now he's plying his trade over in Germany for Dortmund. He was at Manchester City. Was it Manchester City? I beg And um, he went from undisclosed fee, believed to be. Eight million pounds for a seventeen-year-old who's never played for Man City. Eight million. Wow! And he's I got wasn't straight in. He's got straight into the Dortmund squad. He hasn't played for the first yet, but he's been given the number seven shirt, which you think means he's going to be playing for them sooner rather than later. They're obviously pinning some high hopes on him, and if if they're going by his um, England performances, then they can't be far wrong, can they? Because they got no. another goal um, recently in the second game where we beat Mexico 3-2. Goals also from Ryan Brewster from Liverpool and Phil Foden of Manchester City. Uh, we were three up in that game. Yeah. Um, and Mexico pulled two back um, to uh, to make the final score 3-2. But yeah, Jaden Sancho, um, we know what he's been capable of doing last year in the the tournaments and he's, he's carried on that form. Yeah, and let's not forget, uh, he plays on the wing. He's not even, a, he's not even an out-and-out striker. So he is... He really is going to be one for the future. And again, it'd be very interesting to see what comes of him going abroad to learn his trade. Um, I've got to think it's going to be better going to Dortmund and playing than, you know, playing for Man City's youth teams and reserve teams and stuff and potentially never getting a sniff. So I don't really blame him for um, wanting to... I think they had... I was reading that he he wanted a new contract and he wanted some sort of a clause in it to suggest that he would actually get a few chances, I think, um, which maybe Man City either weren't prepared to grant him or maybe just didn't like his cheek for suggesting it. And either way, I think, sort of uh, then ushered him out, I believe, uh, from one of the reports I read. So I don't know if that... I don't know... for, For asking... Yeah, exa- well, exactly. I mean, good for him. Uh, I say, who wants to just, you know, he obviously thinks he's good enough to play for someone's first team, doesn't he? And based on what we've seen, um, I don't think I'm going to argue with him. Um, so it means that, as at the, again, at the time of recording, it means we've already qualified for the next round. Uh, we've got Iraq up next, but it doesn't matter what happens against them. We're already in to the next round we've never made it past the quarterfinals of an under 17 world cup so hopefully we can make more history and what has already been lest we not forget a uh, record breaking summer and here's a fun fact for you um england actually host the under 17 european championships next summer so we're the hosts of that so that's pretty cool um and in a sort of i suppose warm-up of sorts we will be hosting a mini tournament next month 
against Portugal, Russia and Germany. Um, yeah. And this is quite interesting. The games will be played. Some games are being played at Chesterfield, some at Burton, some at Rotherham. Plus, all the other games are all going to be played at St. George's Park, which is okay. quite interesting because obviously they've got a whole load of pitches there now. You you might have seen the story. They've they've renamed one of them, haven't they? The, the Sir Bobby Charlton pitch. I think that's the main pitch. Yeah, I did um, see that. Yeah, and he's reopened that. Um, and I was really, I think the, the, the tickets, I think it's £3 to go and watch. So if you're anywhere near St. George's Park, I can't help but think that will be worth three pounds of anyone's money and that's for an adult i think it's a pound uh, for under 16s um and i say you might actually go and see some of the future of england so uh, that would be interesting uh, and if i lived anywhere closer i would be tempted to go well i might still see you when the fixtures lie and maybe maybe we'll make a little trip up there uh, well, it's just an excuse to have a gander around it Exactly. I'm desperate to go and have a look around. And maybe if they're listening, the FA, uh, before we slate them in the next section, um, maybe they'd like to invite <laughs> us up. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd get that in now. Hey, is that me holding my breath? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, probably not, because that brings us on almost flawlessly um, to the next topic. Now, again, it seems like it happened a while ago and it's it's got out of the news as quickly as it came into it, but we cannot let the episode pass without discussing Mark Sampson and the women's football team. It's received, well, it's received more headlines and more column inches than any other women's football story that I can ever remember in the history of the women's game. But of course, all for completely the wrong reasons. Um, Now, I can't help but think we've probably got to tread a little bit carefully in terms of of what we say, um, but maybe you can give us anyone that's not aware. Maybe you could give us a little brief overview of um, of what's happened uh, with his tenure, Russ. Well, yeah, and this I think it's sort of important to point out. This came out um, the day after England had annihilated Russia six um, nil. Mm. Now, there obviously the, the Mark Sampson issue. There was been a bit of sort of underlying sort of things going on in, in the, the press and whatnot. But for those that aren't in the know, Mark Sampson um, was the England senior women's manager and had been since December 2013. He, he took over from Hope Powell. Um, he was actually born in Cardiff. He's a Welshman. Um, I didn't realise at the time. No, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't realise that until after he went either. Yeah, he's quite young as well. He was thirty. I'm saying as if he's passed on now. He is thirty-four, um, and, and uh, whilst the scores on the pitch um, have been very progressive under him, off the field, um, as I say, about this time when England beat Russia, it was um, mid-September. Um, things got a little bit nasty. There was a, a a racism issue having arisen, and it mainly concerned uh, the Chelsea striker, Enia Luku, um, whom back in 2014, ahead of a game against Germany, um, I mean, this is what I've, what I can conclude what, what was said. She accused Samson of making a racist remark concerning Ebola um, and her family members who were coming over from Nigeria to watch her. Yep. Um, and it's also alleged that Sampson asked a mixed race member of the England team how many times that she'd been arrested. I had to do a bit of investigation to find out that that was Chelsea's Drew Spence. 
Um, but Samson was then cleared of any wrongdoing following um, an investigation because the FIA, they were aware of the situation and, and they kind of investigated it at the time, but they found no wrongdoing. And again, it's since been said that they failed to speak with with any of the protagonists and and they paid Aluko £80,000 to sign a confidentiality agreement. Um, but then I thought and it's um, come out into the public domain. Apparently, um, because uh, it came out into the public domain and public knowledge, she was gained consent to tell her side of the story, which I think is then how it ended up in the papers and this this kind of grew and grew and snowballed um and, which, and just which is completely ridiculous by the way mm. that, that is just so so she is basically to recap that so she has come out and said uh they've that he's made these uh racist remarks and i'm not happy about it uh, she's then subsequently dropped from from the team as well the fa yeah. then investigate that pay her 80 grand hush money and then yeah. say we found no wrongdoing yeah that's, yep, in a nutshell. Okay, so does kind of beg the question: Why have you given her eighty grand if you found nothing wrong? Because you're almost by giving that money, you're saying you're covering it up, aren't you? Yeah, that's you know, right. If, we, if we're reading between the lines, without you know, without wanting to, uh, we probably have to say allegedly somewhere in that sentence. Um, yeah. Okay, so all right, so so bringing it on then. So she's obviously now, as a result of this, uh, found herself out of the out of the team, isn't she? She's out of the team, but she has found herself onto the telly um, during the 2017 Euros um, over in Holland. She was a regular pundit alongside Claire Baldin. Um, ah. She was just fully, fully supporting the national side. But you could see at half time or at full time when they were doing their um, roundup of the game, and, and she was uncomfortable uh, um, when commenting on Samson. Um, and then we go back to that game in Russia when things got publicly worse um the the opening goal was scored by nikita paris and when she scored she ran towards the england bench towards mark sampson at the same time she's beckoning her fellow players to follow her mm. um which they all did and and you may well have seen all the, the pictures and the, the tv footage they were all hugging and congratulating uh with sampson they're all cheering and then they all disperse and the camera is still on Samson who kind of reacted with a bit of a, uh, a wink and a smile. <laughs> so yeah, you don't really know what to think. No, um, because that would kind of imply that he's got the support, the support of the team, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yes. Um, and we, we've already spoken. And it wasn't about... just one or two of them. It was everyone, wasn't it? Oh, it, it might as well it have was, been all it, 11. It was exactly. It was as if they just won the bloody world cup, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, if only. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so then that kind of prompted Aluko to, to come out um, into the to the open again, and, and she's quite a, a tweeter, um, and she's tweeted, for the most together team in the world, tonight's message, in inverted commas, uh, only shows a level of disrespect that represents division and selfish act- action. Mm. Um, and then... then Follow up with swishes and congratulations to the team. Celebration only emphasises what I've already said. So she's still, uh, she's not still very happy unhappy. about it, is she? No, not at all. Um, so yeah, she's she's got the the Nigerian heritage, 
um, and was born in Lagos, uh, moved her parents, uh, moved with her parents uh, to England when she was very young, just, just around one. Um, but she's been a regular in the England setup from from very young age, 14, 15, um, and chose to remain remain loyal to the English coaches who had given the opportunity to play, play sort of international football. As I previously said, she's gone. Yeah, and been a hell of a servant as well. Well, without a doubt. So um, she's got, uh, been capped over 100 times. Yeah, 33 goals she scored for England. So a decent record. Um, mm. Now, what we should say is obviously he threw out this... Um, has not only uh, protested his innocence throughout, but also claimed that much like it was seemed apparent after that Russia goal, um, that everyone was on his side, uh, pretty much, aside from, uh, let's call them his accusers. That's right, yeah. So it, that was on, uh, when did I say that? It was the 19th of September. Um, that was when the game was against Russia. And overnight there was... Speculation of of the the whole issue. Moving on another day, Wednesday the twentieth, Mark Sampson sacked by the FA, or, or to give it its proper term, his uh, contract was terminated with immediate effect. And yeah. so when I heard that on the um, on the radio, my initial thoughts were, okay, the the smoke with the fire has kind of put two and two together, and and what has been said is is um, the reason for the, the sacking. But then the FA gave reasoning that prior to him becoming England manager, he was in charge of Bristol Academy. And in 2014, a safeguarding allegation was made against him. But at that time, it was deemed that he posed no risk. Then uh, then out of the blue, an investigate, the investigation was revisited and it revealed evidence of inappropriate and unacceptable behaviour by a coach. Now, he's... <laughs> So this is this is ridiculous, really. So this is now um, okay. So we're and we we've got us. Yeah, this is this is all alleged. There's no we don't yes. we don't have any proof of any of this, obviously. But this is what's been wi- widely documented um, that he was having relations of some sort with one some I don't know of the players at Bristol. So not at England, but during the Bristol and. Yep. So what from what I can make out, because the FA have not really sort of been that clear with what they're saying. You've got to kind of read between the lines with various people's statements, uh, which is a lot of part of the problem, um, really. Um, they So what I can make out, they had an investigation into him, a year-long investigation. They knew that before they employed him. Um, they deemed that it wasn't a problem gave him the job and then retrospectively sack him for the same thing which they'd already said yeah. they didn't think was a problem now crazy that's ridiculous because that just doesn't make any sense you can't give someone the job in the first place and then use that same thing as an excuse to sack them you can't you can't have it both ways either no. you know about it and therefore you're saying you don't mind and therefore you can't sack him for it or it's a problem, you've highlighted it's a problem, and then you don't give him the job on day one. You can't give him the job and then sack him for it, um, unless that whole thing is just nonsense, and they're looking for a reason to do it, because they can't turn around and say, oh, well, we're sacking him because we're not happy with some racial remarks he's made, except we can't prove those either. I mean, it's just absolute tosh, and it's just... 
It's just a classic. It's classic FA, isn't it? We've seen it before with them. They just, I don't know who the hell is in charge of their PR, but they don't seem to do a very good job of it every time. No, it's, it's very, it's embarrassing, it isn't is, it? It is embarrassing. No, you never seem to see this with other can, countries, but it seems to happen all the time with us. It's, you know, it's no, it's no dissimilar to um, Big Sam just 12 months ago, you know? Same, same sort of issue that's just poorly dealt with publicly. Um, and, and on top of that, it's done nothing for the publicity for the women's team, which already one of the least popular of our 24 national teams i would argue they get yeah. you know they, they 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 don't get as much recognition as as any of the other teams really um and women's football can do without the fa really not helping them at all um because as i say they i i, I just can't help but feel they've dealt with it you know in a really in a really bad way so on the pitch uh they have now appointed a new caretaker manager mo marley for the next three games. Um, personally, I quite like the idea of a woman being in charge of the women's team. I think that makes that makes good sense. Makes sense. I mean, Hope Powell, obviously, she was she was female and and she done fairly well um, before Mark Sampson was was uh, drafted in. Yep, I would agree completely. The women's game has undoubtedly moved on leaps and bounds over the last few years. I don't think anyone could argue against that, both on and off the pitch. How and I really hope that this doesn't, you know, sort of drag it, drag it backwards again. I, I, I hope. Um, but there's clearly an issue here. Um, they would the players are right to speak out. The the whole hush money worries me a lot as well. Um, and I mean, what what where, what do you think? Where do the FA go from here? Is it time? for a complete overhaul because it's a bit it's a bit like almost back to the issue of this sort of not old boys club but certainly a very old mentality I mean who was it that described them all as dinosaurs I can't remember who but someone did not that long ago one of the previous scandals Mm -hmm. and everyone went oh we just need to sack everyone and the FA and start again um is it time? Is it time for that? Do you think? Is it time for some serious heads to roll at the top of the organisation and to get just get some new people in? Yeah, I think it would be it would be ideal, um, and I think you're right with the the old boys um, phrase there. Um, just going off on a, a slight tangent, I went to quite a while now. I went to a England futsal game. Um, I don't know if you if you know futsal. It's like a um, originally a South American. Um, tur like five side seven side game of football indoors it was, um, and it was a sort of promotional event, um, and it was at the Copper Box in Olympic site. Okay. It was promoted by the FA. Um, this was probably uh, was it a year eighteen months ago, um, and just on a sort of a side note, it was for my own sort of coaching. Um, football coaching side of things so I went to have a look at this and because they were pushing it as an FA um, event there were a lot of FA suits there and I, <laughs> right. they they caught my eye and this is a is futsal which is like a very fast paced um, quite new for for um, being played in and I could see there was a whole grey area of people all suited and booted up and no word of a lie i think the, the average age there was probably about 76 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's and I kind of thought, you know what, that's probably quite a um, good representation of what the FA is actually like. Um, yeah. And it is, I imagine, a bit of an old boys' club. Is that the House um, of Lords? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so I think it could really do with some fresh blood um i don't know how much effort it would really take and and how much a total how long a time period a total overhaul would take uh, but there certainly needs to be changes well i think one of the problems is that um i mean who are they accountable to yeah good question they're themselves. not accountable to anyone are they oh. themselves so yeah so does that not just mean that it's almost impossible to sort of outvote it because as long as enough of their own members, you know, vote the necessary people in, then you could, you know, a bit like a bit like with Set Blatter, you know, FIFA were accountable to no one, were they? So they could effectively do what they like as long as they operate within their own self-appointed mandate that actually we can just change if we feel like it anyway. And it's almost a similar sort of issue. I don't, I might be wrong, but I don't think they have to, I don't think they're accountable to anyone, which is probably uh, part of the, uh, part of the problem. Quite um, possibly. Yeah. So that's, uh, so you were saying that you're there for your own coaching badges. Does that mean you'll be putting in your application for the England women's uh, job on a full-time basis? No. Do we have a podcast <laughs> no. exclusive? <laughs> no, I don't think I could handle the pressure. <laughs> no, no, maybe not. And based on that, maybe the wife wouldn't like it either. <laughs> well, no, she might have a few issues with that, yeah. <laughs> now, um, on to, uh, now we've got a new feature, which is wonderfully exciting, um, for at least for this episode, which, uh, where, Russell, you are going to round up some of this uh, last month's news in a feature we're going to originally entitle Russell's News Roundup. Whoa. Take, I, good... You would not believe how long it takes me to come up with this stuff. You've got um, a jingle for me, have you? Sorry again? You've got a jingle for me. Do you know what? No, but if it's oh. a success, we can we can work on one. <laughs> Shall uh, I crack on? Crack on. <laughs> so, yeah, we the England squad um, was announced, and then Burnley's Tom Heaton um, had to pull out because um, for a considerable time because he got a shoulder injury uh, following an injury occurred against Crystal Palace. So we won't be seeing much from Tom Heaton on the England front uh, for quite some time. What a what a good job we had four keepers in the squad, eh? Mm, there was, uh, <laughs> do you know, you say that and and. The someone mentioned on Twitter following a you might have to scan back to find what the, the reply on this was, but England, the official England tweeters oh, actually yeah. gave a reasoning for why there are four goalkeepers in the right. squad. Um, and I can't remember technically what was said, <laughs> but perhaps I'll, find this. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to find that and maybe screenshot it and it can be found on the Facebook page. At the, only, some the only thing I could think of is if they've come up with some nonsense whereby like for training, they pair up or something like that. So it's like two pairs of two working together or something. <laughs> No, I don't think it was as I don't think it was as good as that, to be honest. Oh, really? Was it something even even more ridiculous? I, I will find it. Maybe right, not in this maybe, recording. No, one for the future. Okay. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Also, uh, someone who was absent for the Slovenia game, uh, Delhi Ali, friend of the show. <laughs> this kind of passed me by the um, the one finger gesture. He gave against Slovakia, I think, um, which was supposedly aimed at 
um, Carl Walker, his friend. Mm. Um, Deli Ali got the one-match ban for that, which I didn't think was highly publicised. So he missed the Slovenia game. He was fined 5,000 Swiss francs, which is a whopping £3,850. Oh, well, that's probably about a quarter of an hour's work, yeah. Quite possibly, yeah. FIFA agreed it wasn't aimed at the referee, um, but they did deem it was offensive and an unsporting gesture. Rightly so. No place for that on the, uh, yep. the pitch. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, the rankings are out. Yeah, England down to 15th, Wales up to 13th. This is prior to them crashing out of the uh, the World Cup qualifying. Um, we are, uh, so Wales were the highest placed British nation. Northern Ireland 20th, who they've cemented themselves yeah. a playoff place, well haven't they? Northern Ireland, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, and Scotland 43rd in the uh, the rankings. And speaking of Scotland, again, more breaking news. Uh, Gordon Strachan has now resigned. I think Mark McGee is gone as well. Um, so we're going to see some fresh blood. I mean, really, Scotland, um, as it turned out, they actually left, they just left themselves a bit too much to do, didn't they? And it was all because of that awful early result. Was it even the first game where they lost to Lithuania? In fact, they got yeah. tonked, I seem to recall. They they lost either 3-0 or 3-1, I think. Um, mm. And then just left themselves an absolute uh, mountain to climb. Um, and, well, I'm sure every England fan is sad uh, that they didn't manage to ascend that particular mountain. Well, you kind of think they must be kicking themselves for that game at their place against us. So, um Obviously, they, the two one up, but conceding the the Harry Kane, another Harry Kane late goal. Um, yeah, that would have been been three points for them had they yeah. kept that out. And that would have been enough. Absolutely kicking themselves, but as you say, they they paid for having such a slow start. They did again. I'm not quite sure where they're going to go. Who they feel they're going to get in that's going to be um, so much greater. Um, but I guess. I guess time will tell. He probably had a very simple mandate, which was qualify, and anything less than that is probably not going to be deemed good enough. Yeah, um, I think the ne- next manager will have the same problem, I think. Yeah, undoubtedly, and will probably last yeah. two years and then also leave. And at some point, they'll run out of managers. Now, uh, we mentioned earlier that maybe not everyone knows that there are 24 England official sides. Um, and one of the also lesser publicised ones... Another one this year have also done rather well in a world championship, this time in Argentina. That's right. It's the Cerebral Palsy World Championship, which mm. is something I, I didn't know existed. So it was quite interesting when I saw this. It took place between the, the 4th to the 24th of September and all the games... Um, were being played in the city and the ground of San Luis in Argentina. Seven side game um, for players with cerebral palsy, um, and that's deemed um, to have had either a stroke or a brain injury that has resulted uh, into a motor dysfunction. Uh, slightly different rules two 30 minute halves, smaller field, no offsides, and um, the option of taking one handed throw ins. That's different. Uh, it is, isn't it? Um, tournament of four groups of four. We were drawn in Group C. Um, we started off with a cracking 11-0 win over Japan. <laughs> then, it, then it got worse. We, we only beat Venezuela 9-0 and then frustratingly only scored five against Holland. That is some qualifying record, isn't it? So yeah. scored 25, conceded none in the groups. 
well, I think there, then let's, let's give the FA maybe some credit that they can maybe finance or um, promote the team to this sort of standard um, yeah. for for people with cerebral palsy that, that we're able to be this kind of dominant. Because that um, isn't just creeping past teams, that is giving them a right old thumping. Isn't it just, yeah. Um, so we progressed um, past the quarterfinals, we beat the Yanks 2-1, um, and then we played Iran in the semi-final where we lost 3-1. Um, and then, as with, with most tournaments, she had a third and fourth place. Um, and we ended up um, ending up in fourth place. We lost to Russia 2-0. Uh, but it was still uh, one of the most successful tournaments for, this, uh, for the Cerebral Palsy team. Brilliant. Uh, well played to them. And as you say, let's hope that, um, that that's a format which is properly funded um, and gets the column inches it, it you know it, it rightly deserves because yeah. uh by based on that it sounds like uh we've got a pretty decent team so well done to them and then lastly our women have played again i mean we've already touched on the result because of course this was infamously uh mark sampson's last game in charge that's right, 6-0 we beat Russia. Goals from Nikita Paris, Jodie Taylor. Uh, I mean, instantly, Jodie Taylor was one of the players, or the player, that sort of um, progressed because of Enia Luko's absence. Um, and she's been getting in the goals. Jordan Nobbs, uh, Lucy Bronze, and then two second-half goals from Tony Duggan. Um, and that, that game was actually played up at Tranmere, uh, mm. Prenton Park. And Jodie Taylor, actually, uh, I'd noticed as well that she has been shortlisted uh, for the Sunday Times Sports Woman of the Year, which has oh, really? been announced on the 26th of October. She was top scorer in Euro 2017, won the Golden Boot, and on the way, she became the first ever English woman to score a hat trick in a major tournament uh, in the 6 0 demolition of Scotland. She was almost my hot for this month but I've got someone else but I did think she was worthy of note Um, so let's end this action packed episode 11 Russell with hot or not Uh, you can go first Uh, give me your not my not well um, the FA for the way that they dealt with the Mark Sampson case um, I I think we've we've both said all we need to say on on that I just they've done themselves no favours with the way that that's been dealt with no I agree completely I am going to concur I'm going to specifically say FA technical director Dan Ashworth who uh, didn't deem it necessary to question why Mark Sampson had been placed on a uh, a one-year educational course uh, sorry, or rather have been placed on the education course regarding his conduct after a year-long inquiry. A year-long inquiry, put on educational course. Didn't think it would be necessary to ask him what that was all about. Come on. Nonsense. Nonsense, Dan. Nonsense. Uh, all could have been so easily have prevented. Let's end on a high. Uh, give us your hot. Uh, my hot this episode, I'm, I'm going to take my hat off to the England supporters um, who follow the team. We've all had to put up with some pretty um, recent performances that weren't, that some weren't pretty, uh, especially those away ones, Malta and Lithuania. But those same fans, they're always there. 
Um, and those especially that are going to put their hand in their pocket for Russia next year. Take my hand off, hat off to you all. Yeah, absolutely. It won't be cheap and it never ceases to amaze me the lengths that fans will go to for, as you say, quite rightly, often very, very little reward on the pitch. Um, my hot, I'm going to go for England under-21s Jack Harrison who a lot of people might not have heard of him. And the reason why is because he plays in the States where he plays for New York City. Um, now, he managed to miss his flight um, from the States to the UK when he was going to pick up his uh, debut, I think, for the under-21s. So he paid £1,200 out of his own pocket for his flight back to the US so he could play for the England under-21s. And that is the sort of commitment that I wish more players had and which we often criticise some of the um, senior squad for not displaying enough of. So I would like to uh, doff my hat to Jack Harrison. Well done, Jack. He's also, as it goes, uh, he actually gets in the New York City first team, who obviously are managed by Patrick Vieira. Um, and he's managed 10 goals and three assists in the MLS this year off of the wing. So he could uh-huh. be one to watch. Uh, so well done, Jack Harrison. OK, I think that is just about it from another bumper, bumper episode. Um, now, remember that you can get involved with the podcast using the hashtag Three Lions Podcast um, as... The alleged head of FA ticketing at Tim Gale One did this very month. Um, He tweeted, Your mother reading those tweets is more fun and entertaining than watching England on a Monday night. Not my words, the words of the FA. Well, possibly. Uh, But uh, we now, as we've also touched on earlier as well, we have got a banter-tastic Facebook group. Welcome to all England fans. So come and join us there. Just search Three Lines Podcast on Facebook and you will find us. Uh, Apply to join and we will add 